Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rolls, the D&D 5e podcast, where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, Morris on Riftwake. And today we're here to talk about NPCs, specifically the making of. So NPC stands for non-player character. And it is every creature in the world that is not run by the people at your table. So every creature that the Dungeon Master runs is an NPC. Are you trying to say I'm not a person? Yes. (laughs) My feelings. You don't have feelings. Stop lying to the audience. (laughs) I apologize. I do not have feelings. So every single person, creature, monster, whatever you want to call it, Everything that the Dungeon Master is running is technically a non-player character. So that is an enormous topic. So we're going to keep it relatively narrow for today. We're just going to talk about how to make NPCs and more specifically humanoid NPCs. Cool. So how to build an NPC? depends on what you need. So if you're just trying to make a barkeep at a plate, a tavern where the party is just passing through, they'd never say a word. Well, it could be argued whether they need anything, even a name. It's just, here's your beer. Good day. However, however, I do enjoy uh, at least having a name for my barkeeps and try to imprint some sort of personality onto that name and try to make a small impression before the players move on. That's a very good point, actually. Let me rephrase my previous statement. How much you want to build an NPC depends on two things, how much you need and how much you want. There is definitely something to world building from the DM perspective that they want their characters to have more to them, that they want a little more life, even if it's a character that will never appear again. Hopefully not in the case of certain characters on the show. True. But in terms of how much detail are you going to put into a character that you're making, how much you need and how much you want are the two things that you're considering. So, yes, for example, there's a good soldier who appeared in uh, episode three of Riff Wake. He did not have a name, but the party still associated him as the one guy who was not corrupt or the first guy they knew who wasn't corrupt until um, certain things happened. Yeah. So as a DM, there's a few questions that you should just ask yourself when you're building or preparing a character. Are they going to have to fight? Are they going to have to roll anything? Are they going to say anything? And are they likely to ever reappear? And honestly, between those four questions, you can probably figure out how much you need and then just add anything that you want on top of that. So using the good soldier example, it is a character that fought alongside the party. So it had a stat block and character sheet enough 
to help in combat. But the party never asked for a name, so their charisma probably didn't matter. So Nathan probably didn't have to really think about, hmm, would this guy be trained in persuasion? It, it doesn't matter in that situation. Or, on the other hand, it's possible that Nathan had a full character sheet and background for this guy that the party just never asked about. Honestly, that's probably the more likely situation, knowing them and him. How much you need and how much you want to do really does sum things up. So the question then becomes, how? How do you go about doing that? And we mentioned a bit, actually, in Tuesday's episode, talking about experience, that there are charts for challenge rating in the Dungeon Master's Guide that talk about how strong a character is based on their hit points, based on their armor class, and a bunch of other things that get averaged together. So you can use that if you want to try to build a character from scratch. You can you can decide, I want a fighter who is a challenge rating 8. So it has this many hit points, it's armor. Let's give him good armor. So I'll just bump that a little bit up and the hit points a little down in compensation and his to hit is this his weapon is that and ta-da you have a character or you can make the choice instead of using just a basic stat block for a character do you want to make them a full character sheet and there's actually a few more questions that go into that if that is what you decide on so first off, when I say character sheet, I mean to make them a full, let's say, level 10 fighter champion subclass. So levels. What the hell does that even mean? I presume it's the level based off on the typical rules for PC characters. Yes. So that is what it means in terms of books. but. In terms of the world, what actually does it mean to have levels? Basically having more abilities. Yeah. So it's worth thinking about when building characters. How special do you want player characters to be? So a player character, according to the books is head and shoulders above average. They are the special ones. They are the ones who have, well, using a fighter as an example, they can use any weapon, any armor, shield. They are proficient in everything, and they are good at them. On the other hand, if you have a guard, even though that is a humanoid with a few hit dice potentially, they only can use the thing that is on their carriage sheet. They have no other proficiencies that we're aware of. They are simpler. So to give levels to NPCs 
means that there are other people in the world that have a similar potential to the player characters. And is that a thing you want for the world? Do you want your player characters to be the only ones in the world that have that potential for growth that a leveling system implies? Do you want anyone in the world to have the potential to get that uh, level of training? So a dungeon master should make the decision when they're preparing, honestly, even before the session one, what does it mean to be a PC versus an NPC? Are the PCs the only ones with their potential? Or how many guards versus fighters are there? True. I've always considered PCs to be basically destined for greatness in some sort of way due to how they are built compared to the typical human uh, person. person. <laughs> Don't be racist. <laughs> exactly. And on that note, it's also worth thinking about just what levels mean in the world. Uh, it even mentions in the Dungeon Master's Guide that when creating a character, it is level one, but may have been a soldier or pirate or person who did dangerous things in the past, but they're still level one at the start of adventure, which has interesting implications for the world, even if you assume that there are other leveled individuals. It implies that levels, even a level one person, is already an exceptional individual in some way or other, that they are better trained than the rabble around them. And looking at, say, a guard as a comparison, even a level one fighter can probably just kick a guard's ass. And that's a thing that's worth thinking about in terms of world building, is the ability to level something that people have all people have the potential to do but most aren't willing to do the danger to get there is it a matter of training that you must train proficiency in everything and you must train all of your stats to a certain amount in order to be considered good enough to be say an adventurer with a guild of some kind what levels mean is something that's worth considering for world building, even if just to understand the difference between your player characters and your non-player characters. Well, typically what I do is I go through the, the monster manual to see something similar. For example, that, uh, in the monster manual, you can find certain things like a bandit captain to basically carry over onto a certain character. And that's one easy way to give someone their abilities. Another way would be effectively substituting a character with another one temporarily. For example, Elizabeth was using the commoner token for the longest time because uh, she was a impromptu NPC that I created. All right. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Uh, besides creating from scratch, the 
easier way to create it is definitely to convert an existing creature. And there are a lot of humanoids in the Monster Manual, in the Tomb of Foes. There's a lot out there in a lot of places. And if there's a thing that you can just directly take and just slap a new name on, that's awesome. If you want to take something and just use it as a base and just take that ability, give them extra attack, then yes, that makes your life much, much easier as well. Now, one thing that you can do that can also be rather interesting, there is mention in the Dungeon Master's Guide that you can apply class levels to monsters also, and not just direct leveling of people. So the interesting example that they use is you can have a werewolf with four levels of barbarian. So if you suddenly have a werewolf with, let's say, totem warrior bear barbarian, then a werewolf with rage and resistance to all damage except psychic is way scarier. So you so if you make the choice to have levels available for other creatures in your world, that is a fun way to make things a whole lot more dangerous. And difficult for myself. True. Uh, one other thing about humanoid NPCs that's worth mentioning here is a lot of the time in a in a D&D group that is low on people, sometimes the dungeon master may allow a NPC to travel with the party to help make their lives a little easier, to have what sometimes called a DM PC which is a little bit more in the middle ground of how they could be classified. But in that situation, technically, any creature that makes an encounter, I think the phrase is actually significantly less challenging, is technically supposed to also get an equal share of experience. So that is a thing that may be worth considering depending on your own situation, but your mileage may vary. So we technically could also talk about how to make an effective villain as part of this. But to be honest, I feel that that deserves its own episode. And so that we'll get to at some point in the future. So uh, with all of that being said, this has been the making of NPCs. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord, where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Riffwake Podcast, on Facebook at Riffwake, and on the subreddit, on the subreddit, r slash Riffwake Podcast. And now, send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffsandrules at gmail.com. Have a good one. Bye!